Ooh, good morning. <laughs> this is Charlie Adler, every character on Cow and Chicken, and you're listening to too much scrolling. Ooh, I'll see you in the future. <laughs> May 10th, 2022. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hassenplow. And we're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. Chip, once again, this is the best Zoom call I've ever seen. The best in person. Oh, you're here. I'm here. Well, I'm a force ghost at this point, Steve. <laughs> You're a hologram, just living your life. <laughs> Welcome to my world, my friend. Film at 11. Brings us to our Film at 11, our movie of the week. Hey, Chip, did you see any really super important movies that you're not going to spoil for me this week? I did see a super important movie. Important. That, that certainly seems uh, subjective <laughs> there, Steve. But yes, I went to the theater. I went to the theater on Thursday night. Yes. With a very full theater. In fact, the AMC theater where I saw this movie, they kept opening screens. Really? So it was back to old school. Old school movie going. What is the special movie that you saw this week, Chip? Steve, I, I saw Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Aha. I have been avoiding spoilers. I'm going to see this movie this afternoon, so you can't tell me too much about it, but tell me about this movie. So Sam Raimi is our director. Yes. And so... This follows very much like a Sam Raimi movie. Good. So there is um, a lot of goofy humor. Good. A lot of horror. Good. And certainly a very weird um, type vibe going on. (laughs) So I I think that any person going there who likes this genre of films will like this film. Excellent. I think this film is probably about 70 out of 100. Really? 75 out of 100. As far as for people who like this type of genre. Okay, okay. Uh, The other thing I'll also mention is um, there's lots of cheering in this film. So I hope that if you go see this film, that you see it with a full audience because people are very excited and they're cheering the whole time. And this film, very much like Spider-Man, I sat next to a young person, probably 16 years old, maybe 15, who was on the phone the entire time. <laughs> because I don't know if a young person can actually watch a film. <laughs> uh, there, There is a discussion here about how we see material and how we can focus. And, and my students have a hard time getting away from that input from that cell phone to get to the material that we're working on in class. Same thing in the theaters, for well, sure. I, I find when I'm bored, I pull out my phone. And that is what, what young people do. Mm-hmm. And so we have a very difficult time, probably as a society, of downtime and just being. Mm. Uh, or unplugging and you know immersing yourself in a situation. And I'll, I'll add engaging in the present yeah. to that list. Well, and in fact, because you can immediately go and you can text somebody or you can get something. And I think this person was texting. Okay. So I, I don't know what was going on. He wasn't a medical doctor, Steve. So I will just say that he was a young person. I do tell that joke. Whenever my kids have their phones out in class, I go, oh, are you buying or selling? <laughs> it's an important time in the market right now. <laughs> well, Doctor Strange, um, I will tell you that uh, it will return. 
Um, there will be another Doctor Strange. They do say that at the end. Okay. Like it says, Doctor Strange will return. And I think that um, Benedict Cumberbatch is the perfect type of actor to continue this because he is a a lot of British actors are just service actors mm -hmm. like they could be really they could be movie stars but really they just want it to act and they're willing to go with a whole bunch of genres and the 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 art of acting where it seems like American actors you know they want to limit the type of movies they would do and any number of things so once again I, I think that this series has a nice ensemble mm -hmm. um, cast uh, for it. I think that um, everything that kind of takes place on it is nice and monstrously and fun. It's not scary. Okay. But certainly, uh, I think there's a wink to the audience. Sam Raimi, Raimi comes out in this really, really well. And I do think that people will enjoy this. I look forward to seeing this this afternoon. I'm sorry that I didn't make it to that this, this week before we got to record. But uh, yes, Sam Raimi is one of my favorite directors and, and he certainly makes movies for me. And the, the sensibility of comedy and gore and horror that he combines is right up my alley. Excellent. I got a chance to see a movie that our friend Jeremy, who is the singer for Grenadier, suggested. He said, I needed to go to HBO Max and tune in to Spring Awakening, Those You've Known. This is a very interesting filming of a reunion. There was a Broadway show called Spring Awakening in 2006. I've never heard of this Broadway show. Well, that was the coming year, Steve. That was the young people in my house raising children years where I was not aware of media nearly as much as I am today. This was before the podcast started. Think about that. What, was there a time before? There was a time before this podcast. Really? No, oh. it's only been going for like five minutes, Chip. Sorry, the recording, Steve. The recording. <laughs> <laughs> Spring Awakening is the story of young people finding their way through life. It is set in Germany in the 1890s, and then the young people take microphones out of their jackets and sing really raunchy rock and roll songs. You mean 1890s? We, we spent uh -huh. some time studying the 1890s, Steve. Yeah. It's a very interesting time in history, and when juxtaposed to a very rock and roll current 2006 kind of sound, it really is a great analysis of what it's like to be a teenager, not just in one time or the other, but throughout the universality of time. What? Yeah. This looks this sounds really good. It it this particular movie, this reunion of these stars 15 years later in 2021 was a really good view of what it's like to put on a production, what it's like to have those connections with those people, to have that moment. And and, and they had a series of moments where they came together and they they love each other. And, and found out about each other and, and connected on a, a, a very deep level. I, I look forward to actually seeing this musical at some point. I, I get a good flavor of it from this video, but there, there's more to the story than what we see on this HBO special. So this wasn't a presentation of the musical. It was a, a presentation about the musical. This is a presentation of the reunion. They, oh. they came together on stage for one night and did this musical concert style. Okay. And it is... 
it's really emotionally uh, driven, this story of these kids. And talking about the kids that the actors were at the time is adding even more to that sensibility. And so this we can watch this on HBO Max mm-hmm. and you would recommend I it. recommend this highly and thanks to Jeremy for uh, telling me what to do. <laughs> All right, Steve. We got a whole bunch of movies coming out this week. Yeah, there's a movie coming out this week called Firestarter. That might sound familiar to you. Never heard of it. Yeah, remember Stephen King? He wrote a bunch of books and Firestarter is one of them. They made this into a movie in 1984 featuring a very young Drew Barrymore. This is the story of a young girl who has the power to set fires with her mind. We see the new version this year with Zac Efron playing the dad and Kurt Wood Smith as the uh, the curmudgeonly old guy that helps out f- to fix uh, the problems that are inherent in your brain starting stuff on fire. <laughs> well, Steve, this looks pretty good, but you know what? There's fire. Is there water? <laughs> We've got a movie called Monstrous that's coming up uh, the coming up from the lake. The Lady of the Lake is coming out to find you. This is Christina Ricci playing a mom who's fleeing an abusive ex-husband and a seven-year-old who makes a friend with a monster in the lake. I was wondering what Wednesday Adams was doing. Uh, the Wednesday show's coming up. Have you heard about that? No. They, they're making a show called Wednesday, and Christina Ricci is in it, but she does not play Wednesday. Oh, that's too bad. I am looking forward, you'll see who she plays, and I am looking forward to that show very much. Oh, very nice, very nice. Anything else, Steve, that looks like uh, maybe questionable? Boy, oh boy, there is a very deep emotional story called On the Count of Three. This is the story of two friends who decide to take each other's lives to commit uh, group suicide. Well, this looks really, really, this is a black comedy. Mm-hmm. And certainly my, my concern about seeing this trailer and then watching sort of like the messaging of it is if you have one day to live, there are no consequences. And that seems to be the problem is that you impact all these other people. So not only is taking your life a, a selfish act, mm-hmm. but you also inflict more pain on the, the people who love you and also in society. Yeah. This is an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. But I'm 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 afraid of what the messaging could be. Anyway, that's called uh, on the count of three. Steve, let's lighten things up. Let's bring Rebel Wilson into this. Yes, there is a great idea for a movie coming to Netflix this week. It's called Senior Year. The idea is Rebel Wilson is 37 years old. She wakes up from a coma after 20 years when she hurt herself cheerleading in high school. She doesn't know that she's lost 20 years of her life until the moment she wakes up and she wants to get back that feeling of high school. This sounds like a a terrific comedy. So she's going to go to high school and adopt an Australian accent. Well, she has the Australian accent. and and She's really good at it. (laughs) They just ignore the Australian accent. Everybody else in the story is American except for Rebel Wilson, and they just ignore that she's, she's Australian. So Caleb has a um, film coming out this week, Steve, <laughs> and it looks like it's like uh, it was a Skip Brothers. And um, anyway, it looks pretty funny. It does, even though it's a Caleb picture. 
I, I think that I would actually enjoy, it's called family camp, and the idea of going camping with your family and all the, the foibles of, of family togetherness and, and then finding another family that doesn't quite mesh with your family and finding a way to work together. So uh, basically the, the premise is, is uh, they're in church, uh-huh. the, uh, the mother and father want to become closer to their children. Mm-hmm. They talk about going to a family camp together. Uh-huh. Somehow they get roomed against the most competitive family, who is a chiropractor, Steve. <laughs> Intergalactic chiropractor. This, you should really click on this trailer. This trailer is, is very funny. I, it reminds me of The Great Outdoors when we had Dan Aykroyd and uh, John Candy coming together in, in a very similar situation. So John Hughes. Maybe John Hughes mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some kind of messaging in there. I mean, it's a K-Love. But um, <laughs> I love movies. But, but what I would say is that, that you know between there, there's a lot of humor mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, I guess personal stuff. Yeah. Like like trying to get in touch with understanding, your understanding each other, understanding others. I, I look forward to actually watching that movie. Believe All right, it or not. so Steve, it looks like there's a movie coming out that talks about byproducts that could be in the water supply <laughs> oh and maybe having unintended consequences. Yeah, this is another comedy. This is Love in Kilnery. And it is the story of uh, a chemical plant opening up and the chemicals having the uh, unexpected consequence of turning all of the the adults in this town uh, into... uh... Libido goes up, Steve. (laughs) Libido goes up. It's not the only thing that goes up. Oh, boy. But um, it looks like everybody gets a little randy. It, It... it looks like a very interesting, silly little film. I'm not as excited about that one nearly as much as Family Camp, but that's okay. Speaking of um, uh, Being adult excited. situation. <laughs> There's a movie called Pleasure that's coming out. This is all about the adult film industry and uh, the the female side of, of that industry and how people in that industry uh, have high expectations and, and maybe they get what they want. We're following Bella Cherry, Steve. Yeah. And uh, her uh, exploration of this uh, industry. Um, what can we say, Steve? It's, it's interesting that this is a remake of a film that was made in 2013 by the same director. She is making this film a second time. There is also a Norwegian film. You know how much you love your reading movies. This one's in Norwegian Spanish. This is, uh, it's right, Norwegian Spanish. <laughs> took your line. It's a form of Spanish. I took your line. <laughs> it's a reading film, Steve. It's like a novel that you can watch on the television. This, let, me, let me get back to Doctor Strange, by the, by the way. Because of how I watch movies now, I put on subtitles, and I'm watching a film on the screen without a subtitle, <laughs> and that's really different than watching with subtitles. Uh huh. So in- interesting. I've become very used to, and I'm assuming if you were a, a person in a country that's a non-English speaking country, that's got to be very, very common to have subtitles on to to understand. Yeah, I I watch TV with subtitles quite often now because of my age and because of my attention span. I I, I need to uh, sometimes read the movie while it's going on. Certainly you you pick up stuff that you would not mm-hmm. pick up um, when you're when you're reading it because in fact, what was I watching uh, just the other day? I was rewatching something and I caught part of the story that I had totally missed, mm-hmm. which is not uncommon, but <laughs> Uh, but I had missed it and it was, I missed it because it was just mumbled or something. And all of a sudden I picked up, I was like, Oh, there's a whole new level to this Mm -hmm. story. 
interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yes, fascinating. Fun Steve. stuff. Fascinating. This one is called The Innocence. It is a Norwegian film about a bunch of kids who have a psychic lock with each other, and they can they can make things move with their minds, but not start fires, as far as I know. The Firestarter movie is a different movie. So, um, Steve, they're, they're Vikings. and uh, Very young ones. Very small, right. small Vikings. With the power of Asgard behind them. That's right. You got a chance to go to an actual theater and see a play this week. Steve, uh, I went to the theater. And when one goes to the theater, we watch the, the actors live in their sweaty selves. Interestingly, when I went to go see Hamilton, it was subtitled. Because I went to a particular showing of Hamilton where they actually displayed the words at the bottom of the stage. So I knew what they were saying. This one, however, you went to go see the play that goes wrong. Tell us about this one. Steve, I've been trying to see this play mm -hmm. for a long time. It's on a bucket list. Uh, the bucket list has been checked off. Nice. That's two things on my bucket list that have been checked off this year. One was seeing Stacey Kent which is a jazz singer. Mm -hmm. uh, I got to see her. And then the second one is uh, seeing uh, the play that goes wrong. We've been talking about this for quite a while. This is pre-pandemic play. So tell us all about it. So it is a humorous play. Okay. And the premise is, is that there is a, um, a university that is going to put a production on that's got, you know, questionable budget um, and very um, energetic actors who enjoy the art of acting okay um but anything and everything that could go wrong in this murder mystery um goes wrong and uh you watch anything that you can imagine sets are falling apart um i was brought up on stage steve i now have an uncredited imdb uh <laughs> part of this they brought me on stage to help set up the stage and there i was putting up the mantle kind of having to hold things as they went away and uh people laughing at me imagine that it's a good thing i had some self-esteem steve <laughs> but um i got to to play around with this and then they'd have me go to the other part of the stage and do this so i mean officially um am i'm an actor you're now eligible for a tony award i i, I possibly could be <laughs> Now, this is a Chicago production. Okay. The, the original one was from 2012. Um, it's set in place in England. Um, it was well-received. And it is slapstick. Okay. And so it kind of, you know, it kind of builds upon itself. Okay. You're prompted to laugh. And if you don't laugh, they're going to stop and look at you to <laughs> laugh more. It is constantly... Um, you know, kind of, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the Three Stooges, I would say. Okay. Uh, you know, they kind of write about it. It's kind of like um, maybe a Monty Python skit with like, I don't know, an 1800s Sherlock Holmes uh, type of uh, story. All right. And you're going to figure out who done it. The who, it's the who done it. Um, as, you know, everybody is going through whatever hell they're going on to in stage. Um, at the beginning of it, they tell us that a dog is missing. And to look out for a dog, the dog never shows up, Steve. But don't worry, the dog is in the play. It's just a make-believe dog because <laughs> that's what they have to do. So this plays until the 29th of May in Chicago. Um, you certainly, any person who is interested in seeing and getting tickets to this, you could do it. This is family-friendly. Um, this is farcical. Mm -hmm. You are meant to truly enjoy it. 
Um, and I absolutely laughed at this. This Wonderful. was this was lovely, and I would tr- truly recommend it to any person who wants to go see a silly play, and not you know there's there's nothing uh, there's no airs to this. Okay, you're going to leave with a smile on your face. The cast did a wonderful job. And uh, all the characters get played really well. I look forward to the Tony Award voting for 2022. (laughs) Book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Book it. Brings to our book it, our book of the week. Uh... There's, there's a lot to history. There's a lot that we've discussed throughout the eras of, of all the different parts of history. But we went through an interesting Great Courses lecture this week. We did. All right. Now, so this is a multi-part course. And if you're an Audible subscriber, there's no additional charge to access this. In fact, every month they release three or four of them that you can pick up. And this one was called How 1954 Changed History. It's by uh, Michael Flam. Mm-hmm. Flam Flam. <laughs> Flim Flam Man. I don't think he would like that. But yes, his analysis of this one year in history, 1954, and how it has so many pivotal pieces that have changed history as a result. Yeah, and I think this. what is interesting about it is that he really did. He, You could say this maybe about 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, you may be able to say this about 1986. There's 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 a number of years. That's the year I graduated. <laughs> um, uh, there's so many like interesting things that happen in in a particular year, 2001. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be wars. It could be um, you know something going on in uh, internationally. It could be uh, maybe there's a, a change in zeitgeist on how we view things. Mm-hmm. I mean, this year, this very year, maybe the end of a traditional pandemic. Potentially the start of a, a World War Three, mm-hmm. and then maybe the last chance for the boomers to kind of put their stamp on how they want the country to run in the United States. Um, we we could have you know the backlash of that could could be next year. Mm-hmm. I mean the next voting cycle. It really could be very. It could have a changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. But 1954 is our subject here. Let's start off with the, the, the first chapter, the first lecture we get, and that was about. Marilyn Monroe marrying Joe DiMaggio. And and the the pop cultural piece of this is what I focused on when I was going through this course because I am who I am and and I don't think about wars and and things like that that trigger history, but the change in how everything was viewed through the pop culture lens is what I focused on in this. And so for our people who don't know who Marilyn Monroe is and don't know who Joe DiMaggio is, which is a large part of our population right now, mm-hmm. particularly young people, uh, Marilyn Monroe was the sex symbol of sex symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, she was everything that, you know, like the perfect woman type type of thing. And Joe DiMaggio was a baseball star. Mm-hmm. And like more than just a baseball star, he was a man's man. He was a baseball star. And that caused a really, um, a, a lot of problems because Marilyn Monroe very much was a modern woman too. She may have played this ditzy Bond on the movies and mm-hmm. stuff, but she was very plugged in to what, you know, what a modern person should be. And that was that had a lot of problems with Joe DiMaggio, who was very much a traditionalist, as 
they define traditionalism that, at that time, which, you know, it's, it's husband and wife, mm-hmm. they have children, they have their a picket fence, blah, 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 blah. That 1950s idea, that leave it to beaver 1950s ideal of American family. And, and these two characters were very different from that. And the marriage between them was, was a huge change in, in the culture. And Marilyn Monroe recognized that this, this was not going to work. Because he would get very jealous. She's got to. She is. She's an actress. Mm-hmm. You're, you're selling your persona. You're selling. You know, people are coming to her because they. What do they want to feel? They want to see the sex. They. They want to see the. Uh, they want to feel what she brings to the screen, and he's not comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And so eventually they divorce. But anyway, this is the beginning of it. This is the entry into 1954. He'll continue the story later on, but ultimately they're divorced. Joe DiMaggio may have uh, had an act of violence, right, against her. Um, and what the, the challenge was is Joe honored her divorce. Marilyn never remarried. Um, and Joe DiMaggio felt bad about that. Hmm. And... Didn't he say until his death he sent flowers every week to wow. her grave? So there was a true connection between Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio, but there was this huge divide mm-hmm. on what the roles of, of the humans could be at that time. Right. And we may we're we're running into that type of challenge in a different way now, but certainly nineteen fifty four this was cutting edge. Yeah. Another big part of the history of 1954 is the Brown versus Board of Education Supreme Court case that declared separate but equal unconstitutional. That was huge for our American culture, for sure. And how can you have humans not integrated? Mm -hmm. Now, for our generation, that was never an issue, right? But for a previous generation, that generation there, that was certainly landmark. Mm Mm-hmm. And where uh, black students could finally go to school with white students and all the challenges that that caused, particularly down in Alabama where this ended up happening, the governor said, you know, this will never be, this won't happen. You know, think about how far we've come since then. Mm-hmm. But also recognize, well, there's still something going on there. I was just down in um, Florida and I watched a newscast. It was an Earth Day um, newscast. And it was talking about basically poor people living in the county and the how the water was coming. They, they weren't hooked up to the water uh, treatment plant. Now, I had some thoughts on that the first one out was is if you have a township mm-hmm. you typically get together and you create your water treatment um but the story was basically saying is that they were ignored and basically raw sewage was being thrown in their backyard wow. so different from education but what i'm su- suggesting is there's still part of the united states mm-hmm. that is not experiencing what we would typically think it's part of the United States, and it could be for any number of reasons. It could be rural. It could be because uh, they're poor. It could be because of their skin color. Mm-hmm. But regardless of that reason, um, we're still, you know, we're still marching towards what we call the idea of liberty. Yeah. Let's keep going with the next one. The next one was the most fascinating, wasn't it? The polio vaccine was was a big part of history in 1954. We've gone through a big era of vaccines the last few years, and 
I, I imagine every once in a while what it was like to be a part of that vaccination process, for kids to be vaccinated in school, for all of the issues that we've come up against with vaccines in 2020, and, and what that conversation was like in 1954. And it certainly was very different than what we're dealing with now. There's still a whole group of people that, like, I will never get vaccinated. But I don't think they realize, I mean, by understanding the polio vaccine, mm-hmm. you certainly could come in and talk about COVID uh, and the COVID vaccine. Polio was destroying young people, mm-hmm. uh, destroying people in general. Well, polio was absolutely destructive. Yes. And, and it would come in waves. Mm-hmm. And they were working as fast as they could as far as, um, to try to figure out, when say they, uh, any type of scientist, they were looking for a, a cure. Mm-hmm. Like, how can we stop this? Because if you were the person who got polio, I mean, that was not good. It, it, it was it was devastating to families, yeah. especially because it was it was striking the young people mostly, mm-hmm. and and that. We have all sorts of people in history who suffered from polio, who got through polio, and then a a huge number of kids that didn't make it. So one of the the, uh, stories I got from COVID times was my mother was talking about the polio vaccine, interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, and that her local town had run out of the vaccine. Hmm. But my grandfather, who was in the military at the time, there was another military base that was about three hours away. And he got the family into the car. Wow. They drove um, to get this vaccine. So think about the trust he had in the vaccines at the time. And you know, and, and this is the story of the person who got the first mm-hmm. dose of the vaccine. And think about all the controversy on for a number of people today about you know. It was amazing. It truly is one of the, the most mo- modern uh, miracles is that pharmaceutical companies basically said, we're going to find a way to protect people from COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, it didn't um, prevent you from getting it. Right. What it does did is increase your chances of survival. Right. And so um, polio, certainly most of us are not worried about polio anymore. Yeah, it was it was virtually eliminated in 1954, and, and that's miraculous. True. There were some words added to uh, the United States in 1954. The words, in God we trust, were added to our, our money, and the words, under God, were added to the Pledge of Allegiance in 1954. Interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that religion was left out. And was may have been part of a person's private life, mm-hmm. but the idea that it was going to be part of our um, currencies and the Pledge of Allegiance, which is controversial just in itself, mm-hmm. that you would pledge. And if you're not familiar with the story, you should probably read it. Uh, just look it up on your browser. Um, you may become more uncomfortable with it. It has nothing to do with um, honoring the country. So it reminds me of what you know. If, if you're not familiar with the words and why the the um, Pledge of Allegiance could be controversial. Um, you should really kind of understand where Mark Twain came from uh, this. And he said, patriotism is supporting your country all the time and your, go- and your government when it deserves it. Hmm. So certainly um, the, the, the type of tension that we ideally want. And so we don't want to blindly follow the lead of something. But we also want to recognize that we all have to come together. And think about, I mean, this is 
the tension that is for those people who didn't want to uh, get their vaccines, right? Yeah. They somehow think that there is something conspiratorial, mm-hmm. conspiratorial going on with that. But the reality is, is that it's, in my opinion, modern miracle. What I found interesting was the author says here that he sees 1954 as going from unity from diversity to unity from divinity, adding this idea of divine right of the United States with the in God we trust and and under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. We, we have this diversity that, in his opinion, we really took that away by adding these words. And, and to go even further on this, as the United States began to up to this point, We've continuously, when I say we, whoever the the, uh, the current people are, have tried to redefine. You know, one of the things that we try not to do is deify the founding fathers. Mm-hmm. Okay, it wasn't because they were males. It wasn't because they were white. Okay, these were people who certainly were acting beyond themselves with all the flaws that they have, but they certainly created a. a at least a way or framework mm-hmm. that we could move to today. Now, it went from that to kind of create some mythology mm-hmm. to, and that mythology is, I mean, come on, think about the, when you were young, did you get the George Washington, George Washington. with a cherry tree? Yep. Okay. That was trying to create a mythology around it. Now, the South did it around the, the Civil War. And the idea was, and they, they wrote their history, and they're still dealing with the unwinding of that because um, we have the Memorial Day we celebrate today, Memorial Day's coming up, was because you know so many people were just you know destroyed in the South that they went and cleaned the Confederate graveyards. Um, they they took care of the memorials and, and the Union ones, the United States ones were basically abandoned. Mm. So you know we created our what we call Memorial Day to kind of. Make sure everything gets take place, mm-hmm. takes place. But we still, once again, are unwinding some of that. We re- I read uh, Wilmington's Lie just a few months ago, and we reviewed it, and we saw some of the, the negative things that were going on You know, when you take a part of the population, the black population, and you kick them out of a town. Mm-hmm. And um, the people who did that, or who were the leaders of that, where names were on buildings and names were on parks, well, they've been stripped over the last few years, hmm. and those names are not on there anymore because, once again, we tried to create a mythology that's something that was, uh, I don't know, um, uh, the... the um, it was good intentions, but certainly it was it was getting through the moment. It wasn't good intentions. Oh. It was trying to justify mm. You, uh, you, yeah. you remember when the uh, Keenan Peel did the sketch where they went to the um, reenactment mm-hmm. and the guys giving the, the, the speech about uh, the lost cause and all this other stuff. And Keenan Peel, who are black men, show up as uh, slaves mm-hmm. and they make everyone uncomfortable. Why do they make un- people uncomfortable? Because when you go and you do this type of reenactment, the people doing it are not consciously trying to make a group of people feel bad but if they really step back mm-hmm. and saw it from another point of view they would go whoa yeah. that certainly is yeah there's it's problematic is what, a good way of putting it yep so anyway adding the the terms you know um on our our currency 
certainly was a, a unique type of uh, change. Mm -hmm. and, and one that has stuck all this time, and, and no one has, has questioned it enough to, to make a change. Well, who wants to come across right. as not being... Uh, <laughs> conformist okay <laughs> not me i want to conform i want <laughs> so so based on that we get the weird stuff that goes on like every christmas there's the nativity scene there is the star of david and there's the red a for the atheist that's right um down is it arkansas that has the um statue of lucifer mm -hmm. um on there because you know yeah. <laughs> representation oh my goodness so let's talk about some more stuff pop culture is is a big part of this conversation in this lecture and the idea of elvis presley being important and changing our culture in 1954 is, is discussed and our kids will do not know who elvis is i just had this conversation with some of the teachers yesterday that yeah our students have no idea what the influence of that one singer was so elvis presley memorabilia is dropping in price mm -hmm. because people are dying have these big collections and who wants to own that stuff but tom hanks is uh part of a movie uh that's coming out in just a couple of weeks that is on elvis mm -hmm. and he's playing colonel tom parker yes. which is just right right on i'm i'm not a big fan of elvis but i do love the mythos of the man going to graceland visiting and seeing the jungle room was was a special moment for me Steve, everyone deserves a jungle room. Oh, absolutely. That's what I've been building for ever since. <laughs> All right, so there's television was also talked about. That's a big... Think about the cultural moment that was the 1950s with the idea of getting this entertainment into our homes, seeing the news, seeing the pictures instead of just hearing the sounds or going to the movie theater to see the newsreels. Well, it went from where... Yeah, well, think about what streaming has done recently. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what, what, what we have this huge change. Like on Saturday mornings, the kids go to, you know, take their nickel and go down and watch movies mm -hmm. uh, during the day. Well, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, now it's in your home. Yeah. Okay, and it's in your home and the wealthy people have it, but pretty soon most people have it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you get cultural phenomenons. And those were where we get stuff like uh, Steve Allen and The Tonight Show. That was a big change in entertainment. The idea of the talk show being born with Steve Allen in The Tonight Show in 1954 is is huge. You and I grew up in a time where the, the influence of those late night talk shows was felt throughout the day. Our kids will never know who David Letterman is. I don't think that they will. I don't think and that they, they, they understand. They don't recognize that what he did... For our generation, as the anti-late night show. Mm -hmm. the, that, that moment where we can understand the oddities of the world and the cultural phenomena, the pop culture, the Liberace's coming out, the, the, the Bill Murray coming out as Liberace, all of the things that happened in that late night started in 1954 with Steve Allen. And, and, and that is part of the conformist uh, movement. And I would say, when I say conformist movement, what I mean is that your home should have, you know, every person should have their bed, every, you know, what type of clothes you should have, what you should eat, how you should prepare your food. Think of all those things, right? Like B Betty Crocker and stuff like that, trying to make the modern, modern person and what people were striving for at that time. They were they were striving to have 
what they thought uh, a modern family should have. Now, we still do that today, but it's much more loosey-goosey type of uh, what, what your family does and what another does. I wouldn't say loosey-goosey. I would say that the streaming phenomena has changed that cultural identity. We don't have one single cultural identity. We, can, we have a huge array of different diverse opinions through that streaming media. Yeah, but we're not all drinking Minute Maid orange juice like at, at that time. That we should have been doing. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying okay. is is yeah. we have so many different sure. versions of the American dream now that we have streaming available, where this focus from television in the 1950s was very clear. And, and you're right because if you are, here's a good example. I moved uh, to North Carolina, and I get to see a lot of my friends. Now I've been away from them for 20 years, so the things that we had in common or have in common are from a period of time, but we grew independently of each mm -hmm. other. And so, you know, all the things that I'm kind of bringing in, these are, I mean, they could be... Um, Foreign to them. New to them. Yeah. And certainly what they have experienced, too, could be new to them. By the way, that is the premise of a sci-fi book that I'm writing. All right. <laughs> Excellent. So, so this is a very interesting set of series of lectures. I, I enjoyed this very much. As a person who's not really into studying history, this particular writer was able to bring in cultural pieces, show me the historical reasoning behind his idea of this 12 months of 1954 and now you can understand your parents and absolutely you are absolutely right <laughs> i understand a lot more about that generation that grew up during this time and, and how their influences made them who they are I, I recommend these great courses absolutely if you have an opportunity like you said if you have audible you have access to these great courses they are a great way to get some learning that one is How 1954 Changed History by Michael Flam. Scroll with it. Brings us to our Scroll With It. Uh, Steve, is there a new Harry Potter film coming out? Yes, Chip. There is a new Harry Potter with a mustache coming out. It is Weird, the Al Yankovic story starring Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al. It's coming in the fall, but we got the teaser trailer this week, and boy, oh boy, am I excited for this. So Harry Potter <laughs> is going to be using a different type of magic? You're weird, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Weird Al Yankovic film. Mm -hmm. Now, is it based on the uh, Funny or Die short? So is this a real history of them no. or a fake history this of them? This is absolute fake history. This is still Funny or Die. That's still the company that is producing this. They made that short uh, trailer for the, that version of it, I don't know, five years ago, seven years ago. And now this trailer that came out this time is just as funny, very different feeling to it. But the same notes are being hit for sure. So for the most part, I mean... Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> yes. It's probably as, let's say, vanilla. He is a person who, you know, he likes computers. He runs a regular house. He's a, he's he's an entertainer, but certainly, <laughs> probably love, middle America is probably the right way of saying this. Yes. Okay. But now they're going to play him up as this um, driven character. <laughs> yes. With this huge ego. Uh-huh. And, you know, because, you know, he plays a, a, a accordion, Steve. Played by... Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> and why not? 
because why not? I look forward to this as much as I look forward to just about anything. Uh, I'm going to watch the heck out of this So as you're rotating your streaming services, you know, Stranger Things is going to come out later this month. Mm -hmm. So that'll be your Netflix months, Mm -hmm. and then you'll have your Hulu months. So you'll have to come in and out. Come in and out. Well, this one's coming on the Roku channel, so it's going to be on on another streaming service that you'll have to figure out how to watch. Oh, I thought this was on Hulu. This is on Roku. Yeah. Well, it's too bad for Roku. (laughs) It's hard to to find. It is more more difficult to find than Apple TV Plus, for sure. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, good for them. They're trying. They're trying something, and and it, Weird Al certainly has a lot of heft uh, and a lot of people that will find this movie. <laughs> All right, Steve. Steve, that's not the only Weird Al type thing coming out this month. This <laughs> the, week. the other Steve story on today's docket is the Gizmoplex opened over the weekend. They showed the first three episodes of season thirteen of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. The Gizmoplex is the new Mystery Science Theater three thousand app where you can have access to all 10 seasons of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and by seasons 11 and 12 and 13. Steve, it's like Comedy Central from 1986. Uh, it is 1989, thank you very much, but yes, yes, yes. Where they basically showed Mystery Science Theater 24 hours a day, yes. every day, Yes, it bad is movies. Very 1990s, the humor is absolutely, if you, if you enjoy what I have to say, you will enjoy Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, the first movie, Santo in the Treasure of Dracula. Uh, they finally finished making that and, and released it this week. And stick around for the credits, ladies and gentlemen. You'll find a certain Stefan Fodor in the credits. My IMDb has been added to thank you, Mystery Science Theater, for giving us more joy. <laughs> I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. I think we can. It's great to have you here in studio. Good to see you. I'm glad that we're through the pandemic. The pandemic's over, right? We can declare it again? Well, I think, until the fall. Steve. I think we've said until it like... Until the fall. <laughs> I think we've said it like four times now. No, it's over. No, really. No, this time. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear what's going on in your life. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hassenblatt. We'll see you in the future. I just want to be-